Hi friends, this is Jonathan Frizz, founder of 10 Days. Earlier this year, I did a series of interviews with my good friend, Greg Healy, attempting to do an in-depth telling of the 10 Days story. 10 Days is a movement that began in 2004. Since then, God has enabled it to expand into a global prayer and unity movement. Trust me, it's taken a lot longer than I initially thought, but after 17 years, it's incredible to see the original vision unfolding before our eyes. Over the years, I've cast vision for 10 days hundreds of times, probably thousands. I've become adept in sharing about 10 days in 30 seconds, five minutes, or 30 minutes, however long they're willing to give me. If it's a really, really good day, I might get an hour to share, which means I can usually get into some pretty cool testimonies. It's been on my heart for some time to do a longer, more leisurely telling where we could really dive deep into the history, the God encounters, the miracles, the mistakes, and the mysteries of this incredible journey. This is the prophetic history of the movement, how we've grown from small beginnings to where we are today. It's also a personal history, a history of faith, fear, tragedy, disappointment, love, and learning how to follow Jesus. In my case, that's often meant learning the hard way. I think this will be an encouragement and an inspiration to you both because of the amazing things that have happened and continue to happen, but also because of the failures and mistakes we've faced along the journey. Hopefully you can avoid some of these pitfalls or else when you encounter whatever you need to encounter and go through what you need to go through, you'll at least know a few things not to do. Following Jesus is the most beautiful thing I can even imagine, but it's also the most painful and it costs us everything. However, at the end of the day, what else are we going to do with our short lives? Why not decide to give everything to the only one found worthy in heaven and on earth, the one who gave everything to make us his own? I hope you enjoy this series. And remember, please subscribe to our podcast as well. These are podcast exclusives, and we hope that you will be encouraged and enjoy them. God bless. Welcome back. We are uh, moving to 2012 now. We're talking about 10 days of prayer. And in 2012, Jonathan, things were a changing in your life. And uh, there were three, three 10 days of prayers going on in 2012. So take take it away. What was happening yeah, in 2012? 2012, uh, if you remember in the original vision, there was this vision of a map and... Um, the map symbolizing this was supposed to be a national global movement. And we started to see that happen in 2012 for the first time, which was pretty cool. Um, we moved as a family, we moved to Western Massachusetts, which was an amazing, uh, supernatural yeah. journey. What and brought you to Western Mass? We had felt called during the 10 days in 2008 mm-hmm. to move to Western Massachusetts. We believe God had, plans there. We believe God had plans related to the Northfield uh, campus we mentioned earlier. D.L. Moody. The D.L. Moody property. And we, um, you know, had, had sensed we were going to be out there. And in 2012, um, it was actually the first day of a spring 10 days that we were doing on the North Shore. And at that time, we had to move in about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> had no idea where we were going to move and we didn't have any money to move. And, uh, the Lord spoke to me that morning and said, it's, it's time to move to Western mass. 
And was that the winter where you had the someone had uh, given you a house on the waterfront in somewhere in the yes. North Shore? Yes, yes. That winter we were uh, living on a beach, which is pretty cool. Um, they didn't give it to us, so we did have to pay them. Oh, would have well. been nice if they had given it to us. <laughs> <laughs> but we, because it was a winter rental, we we had to be out of there, and. Um, yeah, the Lord said, hey, it's time to move to Western Mass. As I said, we had been planning to. We were just waiting for God to the give us the light. go ahead. And, um, you know, so I talked to my wife about it. She was not really in favor of that. It was pretty sudden for her. How many kids at this point? Four kids. Um, and, you know, we just prayed about it. And um, over the next several weeks, um, God opened up a place for us in Western Mass um, nothing was really opening up where we lived. It was about two hours, uh, kind of on the North shore of Boston. And, um, Cassie kind of came around the, the house we were moving actually, um, was about, uh, uh, just a mile from some ministry partners, people that we, we thought we'd be working with. Mm-hmm. And they had actually been praying that Which is Amherst or in Amherst. Amherst. Yeah. Okay. They had actually been praying the people who owned the house that, um, prayer missionaries would come and live in their, their house. Nice. So we fit the bill for that. And, um, the guy was in that house once. Yes. Twice. Yes. Two weeks, two weeks later we were moving in, moving our stuff in. It was pretty unbelievable how God did that. And, uh, we were super grateful and we moved to Western mass and, and so 2011, you were in Boston doing 10 days. Was there another 10 days or just the Boston one that year? Just the Boston one that year. Yeah. Okay. And so in 2012, I did the 10 days in Boston again. And, uh, but we had two other 10 day gatherings that happened. So people had kind of heard about what happened in Boston. And so there was a 10 days on the West coast in Chico, oh, California. 2012. Yeah. Oh, right. Our friend, Dice up. our friend Dice upon nice. He um, does a lot of national conference calls, and he had heard the testimonies about what happened in Boston. He thought, you know, he's a really a unity guy. He thought, why not? Why can't we do this in Chico? And cool. so they, they hosted one there. We also had one on the South Shore. Um, and so it was just kind of cool to see, okay, wow, this is starting to open up a little bit. Uh, this is starting South to South Shore of Massachusetts. Bit. Correct, yeah. For those weren't familiar the south shore (laughs) south shore of boston yeah and um so that was exciting to see a little bit of start to see a little bit of multiplication Mm. and in that season you know a few different after after 2012 and after what happened then uh, which we did in the same model the kind of multi-site model that we had done before I really was sensing God wanted to bring us into a time of growth and expansion. And so I was really kind of speaking to him about how to do this, what, what's next. And so I started at that time traveling again, um, in a way I hadn't since maybe 2005. So I started leading up to the fall. This was in between. Uh, so like in the, the winter of 2012 into 2013, Okay. And then through kind of through that whole year. So I, I started to spend a lot more time on the road before we had been really just focused in Boston, New England area. And all of a sudden I'm taking trips to the West coast, flying all over casting vision for 10 days in new places. Mm. And I got a couple of significant, uh, words, um, that were really helpful in the season. So first of all, um, 
God gave me this really encouraging word. Um, and it was about 2005. I already shared that story of how we traveled all over. We uh, felt like we had kind of failed. Yeah. And it led to a burnout. Traveled all over the U.S. Santa Fe? Or all over the U.S. The U.S., yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And so the Lord spoke to me, um, you know, you thought you failed during that time, but really you were planting seeds and now you're going to start to see those seeds spring up. Mm. And he spoke to me, you're going to, he said, you're going to start to experience favor. And in the very places that you sat before where you experienced rejection, mm. now you're going to see this start to happen. It's a pattern of uh, scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And so that year it was pretty cool. In, in a, a number of instances, I was in the same exact room where I'd had meetings before, hmm. um, experiencing, you know, a level of rejection or misunderstanding. And now I was kind of welcomed in, invited in, and things were happening. Those very places were doing 10 days in 2013. So it was a pretty incredible um, turnaround. And it was cool to me, too, just because God had told me, hey, this is about to happen <laughs> before it even happened. Mm. And then just to be going back to the same places, places I hadn't been since 2005. So you're talking about the transition of 12 to 13, but what about the fall feasts of 2012. What was notable to you of <clears throat> those three locations? And by the way, did you go to all three or not to California? Like, well, how did you, yeah. you, you have to decide once this is going multiple cities, what are you going to do for 10 days? So, right. I didn't go to all, uh, all three. I only, I did go to two. I was mostly in Boston. So at that time I was still basically the coordinator for Boston. Mm hmm and really focused on what was happening in the city. We set it up along the same lines. Uh, one storyline I'd mention, uh, I did go to the South Shore Gathering one night, and uh, so that was cool, uh, really cool to be with them. One storyline I'd mention is uh, we had had a word, um, a directive word about engaging with the Catholic Church in Boston, hmm. and um, which is not something we had done the year before in 2011. And, you know, I thought, cool, that should be no big deal. Shouldn't be a problem. You know, in general, I didn't, hadn't had a problem connecting with or getting along with Catholics that were believers. And, um, just Lutherans is who you got a problem with. <laughs> Only you, my friend, <laughs> <laughs> the Irish Lutheran, the Irish Lutheran. It's like a, it's like a contradiction. <laughs> so, um, it's perfect harmony. We, uh, we tried reaching out to Catholics and I felt like I kind of had like Catholic repellent on or something. Nobody, they wouldn't even meet with us. Do you spray that on? Yeah. I, I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is really difficult. And uh, um, so you had the word about the Catholic church, but you tried and those doors were closed or like tried and tried and tried. Yep. And those doors were closed and we just really held out faith. Like this is going to come through. We, we tried so many different avenues. We even wrote an official letter to the archdiocese. We got an official rejection letter. Wow. Like, no, so we will not partner. You feel rejection you. <laughs> often. Now you had a formal letter. Was it from the Pope? No, it wasn't from the Pope. Oh, that would have been even more impressive. I would have felt more Lutheran in that case. Wow. <laughs> it's from the Cardinal. No. Who was the, it from? The Papal Bull. It was just from like the uh, Bishop's office or Archbishop's okay. office. The and Archdiocese's just, office. But how did they word it? Or what? It was clear they had only read like the first line of what we wrote. And they were just like, no, we don't think this is 
this doesn't fit what we want to do. Hmm. And, um, at any rate, I was just holding out hope and, and I just really believed because God had said to do this, sure that it was important in this year. And so we left the night open. So we've organized the entire 10 days and then just left a day open because for this purpose for the Catholics. Yeah. Okay. Cause they like, they didn't want to play with us for what I'm not, it's not in a judgy way. It's just, we tried everything. Nothing, nothing was working. It's good. You say that cause you kind of are a little judgy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for bringing that up. Okay. So we, um, yeah, we left it open. It's the week before it's still open. Like last minute things are falling through. And finally we're actually in the 10 days. I send out an email I'm just, and I just said, Hey, we're going to host a, a day of mourning and fasting. Uh, of course, 10 days is a time of fasting and mourning, but we're going to have this day focused on the historic division between Catholics and Protestants. And we're going to go to, there was a Catholic center of 24 seven prayer in the city of Boston. You could just walk in. So I said, we're going to come here and we're just going to pray during these two hours. And, uh, we're just going to leave the night open. We're not going to do anything that night. And so that got us a response back from someone within the archdiocese. And he said, Hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to fast. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. When he said, I'm going to fast, I'm like, wow, this is serious. And so he met us there at that time of prayer, um, and which really ended up opening up a door for relationship between kind of the evangelical Protestant church in Boston and then the Catholic church in Boston. It's great because Boston is an Irish community uh, and this Protestant Catholic divide has been an Irish issue for years so it's pretty cool that God in Boston is telling you that this is going to happen. You don't get discouraged. You just keep going. You even leave this, this night open. This is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty cool and pretty cool how that happened. And then that ended up opening up just on a very practical level. Um, this is part of the testimony. Um, you know, the, uh, the Catholic gentleman just said, Hey, look, the archbishop, is really concerned about um, legalizing um, end-of-life issues. So mm -hmm. they were trying to legalize physician-assisted suicide in Massachusetts. Right. And he said, you know, our um, political uh, consultants have said the only way that this can be defeated is if the whole religious community in Massachusetts unites, the whole believing community unites, and, um, and resist it together. That's the only way it'll work. And so he's like, would you help get, you know, evangelical Protestants to the table with us? Mm. And I said, look, we don't ever do anything political, <laughs> but for you, I'll make an exception. And, um, and so we had a gathering after 10 days. It was pretty cool. It was, uh, about 20 Eastern Orthodox clergy, mm -hmm. about 20 Catholic folks and about 20, um, evangelical Protestants. Great. And, um, you know, uh, they were super excited about that. We talked about this issue. Uh, amazingly enough, uh, it was narrowly defeated by just a few hundred votes in Massachusetts, yeah, which was like great. a testimony. And it was, it was amazing. Um, so I'm not sure. Are we allowed to talk about politics on this podcast? 
Well, I am. I'm not sure if you are. But uh, as long as you're judging people. <laughs> so that was a that was an amazing testimony and an amazing open door. There are a lot of other, as with every year of 10 days, there are always a lot of amazing testimonies. Yeah, that's great. Uh, love that, uh, especially on the back of 2011 being uh, racial reconciliation. Then you get to your denominational reconciliation, which is also an ethnic thing. Um, so... Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. Um, you know, another cool dynamic that year was we had really YWAM Boston just kind of threw in with us to do 10 days as a base. Great. And um, they were in a season of transition. And, you know, it was really cool. Like, they just kind of like entered into a season of rest and prayer and doing 10 days mm. during the 10 days with their whole base kind of embracing it. And the awesome thing was... Um, as they got into it, like they really got it. So uh, one image I use to talk about 10 days a lot, even back then, is I would say, you know, 10 days is like, it's not getting an oil change. It's not putting gas in your car. It's like you bring it into the shop, you take out the engine, you know, you get a total upgrade. So I, I'd use this language. And so then as they're praying and as they're getting into this, you know, one of the guys gets a vision. He's like, oh man, the Lord is showing me I'm driving like a, like a VW Beetle, but I'm driving at like 90 miles an hour all the time. And I need to <laughs> slow down and stop and come into the shop. And he wants to give me like a whole upgrade. And I'm like, that's An it. Overhaul. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are totally getting it. And one of the cool things, and I think, you know, just, is it just led to this like season of renewal and revival in the lives of many of the people that were there at the base and, and kind of just impacted what was happening there from then on. So it's like a really cool. Was Aaron Reeves a part of that at that point? Or was this before Aaron? Aaron Reeves was a part. Aaron Sipley. Aaron Sipley. Jeremy yeah. Tunney. Okay, great. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was a cool season. As you know, those guys have continued to be great partners of ours, not just in 10 days, but in all kinds of things. And yeah. Uh, throughout New England over the years. That's so. great. In fact, I think what was free, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but later YWAM did take over organizing of 10 days, not just worship and attending it and participating in it. Right. But in that season, you were really the chief organizer or who was chiefly organizing. And then were they able to just almost as ministers unto the Lord, you know, be able to worship freely and, and pursue just the the fundaments of 10 days yeah i was the i was the main organizer that year and um and then they were just engaging being involved and helping certainly helping lead worship and prayer especially during the day um mm. during the day sessions great so yeah it was it was a good year um just encouraging to do it do it again to model it and cool to see those uh three gatherings happen the South Shore. Now, it was uh, in the one that you went to, was that Plymouth or whereabouts was, uh, where was the center of the South Shore activity? You know, I, I don't actually remember that well. Um, uh, one cool thing about that gathering mm. was um, there was a guy who had come to a earlier 10 days event. And this guy was a very aggressive um Really had a really had a focus on evangelism, mm -hmm. but he was kind of really aggressive and assertive, almost to a point of like put you in a headlock until you say Jesus, <clears throat> and that kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. Okay. Like that might be like the mild end of where this guy was at. 
<laughs> so much so that I had had to literally kick him out of our 10 days event before. Like I had just had wow. to tell him, okay, you have to leave and you can't come back. Because he would take the meeting over or he, what? He was, he was totally disruptive, totally out of line. And, uh, you know, felt like because we were praying, we weren't spiritual enough. We weren't, um, no, it wasn't evangelism. So right. 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 Good. Yeah. It, it's, you know, a lot of people can get kind of extreme. It, it's just a maturity thing. And, and, um, and so anyway, one of the highlights for me of the South shore was going down and seeing this guy there. And it was like, he was a different person. <laughs> like the love of God was just rocking oh, his world. So he got transformed. The love of God was rocking his world. And he was like, so full of love and couldn't stop talking about the love he had for other believers. So he had gone from this kind of attitude of like, really like accusing, judging everyone to like just mm. encountering the love of God and, and being transformed in the presence of God. And so seeing him there, giving each other big hugs, you know, I had been literally kicking him out of beatings, you know, a while ago and wow, was super cool. That's great. <laughs> but he'd been there every night, just coming, praying, worshiping. And, um, that was another testimony from the group on the South shore. You know, they just said, Hey, we thought we were going to come in and just intercede and like storm heaven about all this stuff. And then we realized mm. God just wanted to get us alone to work on us. Wow. And so I think that's, you know, a lot of times the biggest change that God wants to do, it always starts with us. Have you seen any of the, uh, love of God in the 10 days in terms of like holy laughter in terms of people like really being, uh, impacted by the Holy spirit and <clears throat> the spirit pouring out to oh, such I an extent that people are acting very, very different. And if people didn't know any better, they might think they were drunk at nine in the morning. You mean like, uh, in the book of Pentecost, you got it. <laughs> we have seen that happen, uh, many times. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Uh, probably have shared a few stories about that, but, um, Certainly we've seen that happen and, uh, it's real. It's in the Bible. Was he touched like and that this uh, fellow or was it different because he was just happy? No, it was different. Um, I mean, he might've been at some point, but the night I was there, it was just like, it was like, it was just a total personality transformation switch. Yep. He was a different, different person. person. He was so full of love. Whereas before he was really so oppositional mm. and so hard. Yep. That we couldn't, we couldn't even occupy the same space. And he was even using maybe his evangelical gift to like tell everybody how right. it was. And, and he was using his zeal and, and, and everything to just basically accuse other people. So right. it was like a complete flip. Yep. Um, and in terms of before, you know, not responsive to correction or um, even just direction, you know, like, Hey, th this is what we're doing right now. No, no, I'm not, you know, Yep. Totally different, gentle, willing to yield, you know, just, he was very pleasant to be around. It so was, he was, he was in that configuration, not like you. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's why I kicked him out. Cause I'm a, I'm a very mean person. You said only one get, only one person around here gets to point the finger. And that's me. <laughs> This no, is my repentance meeting. I decide what we're yeah, repent that's of. that's right. <laughs> so, um, anyway. So, we've got another location, Chico. You weren't there during the 10 days, but you had gone there before or after? I went there. I had been there before and after, yeah. And, and once again, cool testimonies from there, too. Just, 
you know, it, it's amazing. It's not rocket science. I seem to remember even a visit to Sierra Nevada as part of when it. We, <laughs> when we pray and seek God, God moves in incredible ways. Like, it's, he moves in our lives. And yeah, Gaylord Inns, another of our great uh, right, friends. I was going to ask you, did you meet him then, or was he a part of that 10 days? We had met earlier, and um, I had actually traveled out there before 2012 to cast Vision. And so, but Gaylord was a part of those early gatherings there with Dicep really being the one that was kind of driving it. Uh, but, you know, have maintained significant connections out there with, with friends in that part of California. Yeah, so. that's great. So it was that part of the seeds you had sown on the national tour? No, you hadn't gone to Chico back in the old days. Uh, yeah, back in the old days, I hadn't gone to Chico. Uh, I had been more in different parts of the country. Uh, let me just share, let me, let me pop back to that. Um, I had shared before we got into 2012, just this word God had given me, you're going to start to go, you've planted seeds and you're going to start to go and harvest things that you sowed in 2005. Mm. And I mentioned being in like specific places. So we saw, um, uh, 10 days happen in 2013 in Hollywood, California, yeah. which was pretty cool. That was one of the places I had gone in the Hollywood uh, Hills 2005. Um, we saw one happen in, uh, Hemet, California. Hmm. The cool thing there is I had gone to Hemet and, uh, hadn't actually even met anybody. We had gone there because they were featured in this transformation video. Oh, right. And we went to see if it was transformed and we were kind of like, doesn't seem very transformed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens after the video's made about it. It's, it's transformed for a good, for a little bit. No. And, uh, you know, what, whatever. That was just, we were just like, well, let's just go visit. Let's see. And um, without getting into the whole thing, we didn't even go back there. People from Hemet reached out to us, which how they even found us on the internet, I don't know. Our, I don't know. Our profile was super small and they were like, we want to do a 10 days. And I was like, wow, God, that's amazing. Cool. You'd have people do that. That was a confirmation for right, you. Right. And there are a number of other instances like that. Um, like I said, even places where I'm sitting in the very room. Um, one of those places was the U S center for world mission, right. where I had also cast vision before. So it was, it was, it was super cool. It was super cool. Um, part now as we're in between 2012 and 2013, I'm starting to travel more, starting to cast vision more. One of the transitions that's taking place is, and the question I have to God is, how do we move from a movement that I'm organizing in a city? Right, like Boston. Right, to where we have many locations at the same time. Hmm. So how do we do that? And I'm looking at myself and I'm thinking like, God, I'm like a unicorn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a glorious unicorn, <laughs> Jonathan Frizz. It just shaped like a rainbow. <laughs> Just in the sense of, not in the sense of having a horn, in the sense of being weird, you know? Um, you like to toot your own horn, I, I know. <laughs> in the sense of being unusual, you know, most people in ministry aren't doing what I'm doing. And at that point, I've met like three or four You're people. You're a freak. <laughs> Unicorn is like a nice way of saying freak. So I, I haven't met very many people that are doing what I'm doing. And I'm like, God, how would we even sure get this started in different cities? Cause who would even be, who would even want to do this? Um, so I'm asking the Lord about this and this is right before you and I reconnected. Yes. 
if you recall. Speaking of freak shows. <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, yeah, this is 2012, 2012 Newtown shooting happening in Connecticut, right, uh, right down the road from where I live, and it's like for me at that time, just all I felt the Holy Spirit was all about repentance. We need to repent as a nation, as a state. That that was the key to unlock helping in a tragedy and a situation like that. So then, you called. Then I called. So, um, let me share this word and then let's talk about how we met and connected and get into 2013. So I was just asking God, how do we do this? And he told me, first of all, he, he kind of impressed on my heart that just as he's calling forth missionaries to fulfill the great commission, right? So mission, we all know what a missionary is. Someone who goes and brings the gospel to a new place. So just as he was doing that, he was impressing on my heart. He's raising up people who are called to be the answer to Jesus prayer in John 17. Mm. And he's sending them to different places. So, you know, just like he's sending, you know, God's strategy is people. So people go to fulfill the great commission and people go to fulfill Jesus prayer. And that's his strategy. So that was kind of like, whoa, that's cool. Um, and he was kind of saying, yeah, you're one of those people. That's part of your calling. And uh, he gave me this strategy for how to find people to work with in given cities who would do 10 days. So he said, first of all, there's, there's two kinds of people you need to pay attention to. The first one he called bishops. Uh, I'm not talking about chess. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> You're talking about that letter that you got from the Boston bishop. <laughs> I'm not talking about bishops in a denomination necessarily, but what the Lord was speaking about was pastors to cities, shepherds to cities. So in a city, um, in your city, wherever you live, there's probably a pastor who is gathering the other pastors. In the a city. father of the community, pastor of the pastors. Right, right. One thing I say, if you want to find that person, is who goes to sleep at night worried about the whole city, all the other churches, even just the political environment? So who's that person or who are those people? Because sometimes there's more than one. So you like to, you know, winnow things out by fear. <laughs> who's worrying? <laughs> That's right. Uh, versus someone who goes to sleep at night and is worried just about their own congregation. Sure. And, um, but yeah, fear is an important, we've already established, I think in these podcasts, I'm afraid a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Um, and then he, he spoke to me about the second group of people that were people he was raising up to answer Jesus' prayer in John 17. And he called them unity apostles or unity catalysts. Yes. So in other words, sent, people he's sending, apostle means sent one, people he's sending out to answer Jesus' prayer in John 17 and said, like, you're going to look for people like this when you find, I'm paraphrasing what, what, what the word was, when you find them like 10 days is going to resonate in them because it's going to be part of their calling. They're going to recognize this is how they can, can fulfill what they're called to do. Mm. And then just really invited me into kind of like mentoring, encouraging, strengthening people who had this kind of calling. And, uh, so that was kind of my marching orders is like, okay, go out and look for these two kinds of people. And so that's what I started doing. And that's kind of how we reconnected, right? Probably. I remember one thing. We had a gathering of um, the next generation of leaders. We called it the Avengers Gathering, if you remember. 
at Toanipi. This was later, though. And that was later. So that was like 2014 or... 2015, I think, yeah. 2015. But the reason I bring that up is simply this, because that's that gathering highlighted a lot of the people that you're talking about. Right. And really was bringing folks who were Unity Catalysts together, even though they didn't understand maybe that's an apostolic gift. Right. What, what kind of a gift is it? And I think... What I always listen for is how people self-define what they're called to do. So I'll just say, you know, like, hey, so who are you? What are you called to do? And then if they bring up, well, you know, if the, first of all, if they're confused about what they're doing, I'm like, oh, that's a good sign. They're probably... <laughs> sure. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but it has something to do with John 17. I thought like, you liked the people who come to you with business cards that say, I am an apostle. That's fine, too. At least then you know an what you're... Apostle of at, unity. At least then you, then you know what you're... An apostle of love. <laughs> <laughs> are you the, are, maybe we should start a band and call it the love apostles. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you contacted me. Um, it was a little bit, we had known each other. We had met in 2010. Right. Uh, we had interacted in different uh, activities, just didn't, uh, we, we weren't as close as we are now. So then what happened from your perspective? Yeah, from my perspective, I'm praying into this word I just gotten. And I'm feeling like God wants me to, to reach out and talk to people in Connecticut. So Rick McKinnis and I, Rick is kind of like a, maybe a bishop in my quote unquote The lexicon of your bishoping. Right, right. In, in this, in what, what the Lord meant to me by that phrase anyway. And um, kind of a statewide leader in Connecticut. And so I'm thinking I should reach out to Rick and talk to him about doing 10 days in Connecticut. And then the Lord immediately is like, don't reach out to Rick, reach out to Greg. And I'm like, huh, okay. That's interesting. And so I gave you a call and, um, you know, I was just trying to be obedient. I'm like, oh, you know, if God, God is not only um, just brilliant and strategic, he just knows where everyone's at. And so I called you and you're like, that's interesting because you had a particular hunger in your heart yeah. for a movement of prayer and repentance in the state of Connecticut. Absolutely. We, you know, by a little bit of uh, my dovetail background into it is that I had been involved in a unity move in Fairfield County uh, before I even met Rick. Um, and we had seen God do some incredible things across these churches of every denomination and stripe. Uh, and in that dynamic, I was a business person who God was using as a facilitator uh, to bring pastors together. Uh, we had several initiatives across our county to do that. We had a, a lunchtime that we would bring pastors together where they could feel like they could relax and you know, share with one another their concerns. Uh, pastors often have troubles, uh, like sharing with peers because, uh, churches compete with one another and you've got other dynamics that are running around. <clears throat> so that plus we had external sent ones into our region who had catalyzed a move of the Holy spirit and a move of unity and prayer. So, um, I was all a part of that in that move. And then that's how I met Rick. I uh, was in 2007 uh, for here for Connecticut things. Uh, my pastor at the time, Pastor Paul Teske, brought me up to this unity meeting for the whole of Connecticut. And all of the bishop type leaders or the, the senior leaders of the region were, were here. Um, so there was that dimension of things like in the unity move. And then there was this dimension of things in the repentance move. 
which included prayer. Uh, so from my perspective, it was those two things were driving me towards Lord. We've got to ch- we've got to change things. Like there's no way we're going to stop tragedies like the Newtown shooting from happening unless we turn back to you. So how would it be that we would turn back to you? And I think the answer is through things like the 10 days of prayer, which catalyze church unity coming together. It's a season set aside for repentance. And uh, if we don't change what we're doing and we don't, we're not honest with ourselves and with God about what we have to uh, repent for, then what can we do? So that was where my heart was when we met and you gave me that call. And I figured since you were asking, I mean, you, you take up the story from here. You were asking, hey, Greg. Hey, Greg. Hey, do you uh, want to do 10 days in Connecticut? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what I said. I asked you, I think I knew what 10 days was maybe, but yeah, I was like, well, Jonathan, actually, this is my heart. Right, right. It was the perfect, it was clear. It was the perfect timing because um, you had already been meditating on these things. Yeah, it was like God, God had heard my prayer. And uh, it was like the action plan to the discussion that I had had privately. So I was like an answer to your prayer, which is exactly what God told me. I put it like that, but you yeah, just, I suppose. You just basically <laughs> did put it like that, which is exactly what God had told me I would be when I met these unity catalysts, unity of apostolic people. He said, you're going to be like an answer to their prayer. There you go. As opposed to, because a lot of times when you talk to people, and you're inviting them to do something, they don't feel like you're an answer to their prayer. They feel like you're trying to make them do one more thing. You know how that is? I know how that is. I know how that is. Tough. Yeah, I, yes. I know how it is from both sides. I've exactly. Been, There's a difference between, hey, I've really been pressing in on this versus like, can you do me a favor? Right. Can you add one more thing to the many things? Correct, correct. And so that was cool. And it was, I had, like I said, I had just gotten that word when we talked and you were like a f- perfect example. And I was like, Oh, Rick is like the Bishop and Greg is like this other role. And it's really cool, which led to, um, so through the traveling of that year, through the vision casting, we started to see new cities joining, um, mostly in the Northeast and on the West coast. That was kind of where things were, were happening. Um, but it was exciting. And we ended up with 12 cities in 2013, 2013 that joined. It went from three to 12. Yes. That's a fourfold. Which was just pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And that year, instead of just being in Boston, I kind of did a little bit of the, I'm going to travel around. I'm going to visit what's happening in these different locations. In these they different let you cities. out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, parole. Yeah. Well, I paid bail. <laughs> <laughs> the bondsman's still looking for you. That's I don't know. Right. Anybody, anybody dial this number for us if you could find Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think if there's any other um, big things to talk about in 2013. Besides well, tw- I, I mean, talk about uh, Connecticut because Connecticut, it was the first statewide 10 days. Uh, I could talk about that, of course, but talk about it from your perspective. We had a initiative going uh, on the back of following a prophetic word that was brought to the state by Chuck Pierce. And uh, he said, if you would gather for the next seven months, we called that 
uh, united now, uh, and we had this great set of unity meetings. Now for seven stood months for um, National Organization for Women. No, now stood for now is the time, Jonathan. Wake up, sleeper. <laughs> That's no, it was now because night so of, it stood for night of worship, right? Uh, yes, United 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 exactly. Because yep. other other movements like Senzos had also been called uh, United Night of Worship. Right. So uh, it was seven now. And in response to that, at the end of the seven now, Chuck Pierce came back to the state and then he gave a further word. And the further word was, if you would worship before me like you have for these seven months, but do it for 40 days straight, then I would release what I'm promising into Connecticut. And so we took that serious. Uh, seriously. And so 10 days of prayer ended up becoming a part of the 40 days of uh, United Worship or right. 40 days, uh, what, uh, 40 nights of worship, I think we called it. Right. And we did 10 days of prayer as part of that, the same season. And if you remember, we even had the discussion, should we do the 10 days at the end or the beginning? Right. Remember that whole thing? I do. We wanted to do it at the end. Yes. We wanted the last 10 days to be the, the, the 10 days. And, and then we just switched it around others. The consensus of the group was that let's do it where 10 days is the kickoff and then we'll continue for another 30. I think that's what we ended up doing. Right. Right. Let me, let me share something in there that was interesting. And I think this is just a great, um, principle. So Rick and Greg, who were some of the key leaders in this, um, are both very good friends of mine. And, um, because of what was happening, 10 days was involved, but it's almost like we were underwater underground. There was no branding of 10 days. You know, people wouldn't have known it was a 10 days event. Yeah. Because we were leading with this notion of the word, the directive, the 40. Exactly. Exactly. And so Rick, um, called me, and talk to me about that. And that know. disappointed you, if I'm remembering, at first. Right, right, right. right. So that, that was, um, you know, because it's like I'm, I'm seeing this vision fulfilled. I'm trying to expand, you know, trying to grow the movement. But when I talked to Rick and Rick was like, look, we're just going to, we're going to brand it as, you know, 40 days of, I can't remember, 40 days of prayer. 40 nights of worship. 40 nights of worship. It. Uh, it's going to be on the 10 days days, but there's not really going to be. It's not, you know, first of all, it's not going to include some of the elements of 10 days, like mourning or repentance. Secondly, because you kind of have a program that you, you a framework that you give to people. Right, 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 right. And then secondly, like branding wise, it's not going to include 10 days. So I was initially disappointed in that. But when Rick shared with me, there was such, I, just as we're talking, like I just got hit by the presence of God and I was just like, yeah, this is better. And, uh. It's like such an amazing grace and touch from the Lord just to be able to say, absolutely. To say amen. Amen. This This is the right, this is the right move. It's like a move of humility too, right? It's like, you know, Hey, I've got to kind of take a step, the back seat here and let this. Exactly. Exactly. And earlier in my ministry, the Lord had given me this phrase. He said, die every chance you get. And what I I feel like that means is. Anytime you have a chance to make the move of humility. Yep. That's scripture. Make it right. Don't take the seat at the head of the table. Let someone put you there. Otherwise take the other seat. Correct. Correct. And so in just kind of saying, okay, no, I'm going to go with that. By the way, it's not only the humble move. It's also just the right move because this is the local leadership 
that is processing. They're under. They're they're, yes. they're responsible to God for what they're saying. This is how they're processing it's the input to that's coming. Good to defer to their authority in the region. Exactly. So yeah. they're they're actually the decision makers. Just like it'd be wrong for me to come into your home and be like, you know, the couch needs to be over here. The TV should be over here. It's your house. Hey, they're the decision makers. You're the heartbreaker. <laughs> I'm not even sure how you got there on that one. I don't know either. But it sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds weird. So anyway, that was some of the dynamic in that year. Uh, we also saw 10 days happening in New Hampshire. Yeah. And a shout out to Joellen Putnam. She did a huge amount of uh, logistical work um, in that 40 day, uh, 40 night season. She really did. Yeah. yeah it was a great job. Amazing job. Um, but I'll say after the 40 days, um, I wasn't able, I didn't come to a lot of the nights but I came down after the 40 days and uh, came down to an event here at Wellspring um, in Connecticut. There were about 110, 120 pastors there. This was down the road, yes, in the white church. Uh, is that what this was after about? This was after the 40, right after the 40 days had ended. Yep. And there was such a level of unity among the pastors. Oh, you're like talking a, about when we had the pastors gathering of right, a day apart. Right, right, exactly. So this was the outflow yes. of the time. Incredible sense of unity, but not just unity. It was also, and there was just a spirit of revival. Like, you, you know, a lot of yep. times you go to these pastors meetings and everyone's kind of drinking stale coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say people, you know, people come in, they're exhausted, they're beat up, they need refreshment. Sure. And this was like, people came in on fire. Yeah. And it was, if you remember the day. Oh yeah. It was, it was like a revival the atmosphere. pump was primed. Yeah. People weren't coming for charge. They were bringing charge. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. And, uh, but what struck me too, is just, there was such an alignment to move together. It was like it being in an army. It mm. just felt like. And um, so that's just another example of kind of the overflow of some of what can happen during 10 days, bringing unity among leaders and revival, refreshment. The um, army of God. They were ready to go. It was so encouraging. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, because I was here and a part of it. It's amazing. So tell us what else happened in 2013. That was uh, Connecticut. And can we, I think in Connecticut, if I'm remembering rightly, we had uh, 150 odd, some odd churches and ministries, forget what the exact numbers were, doing this together. Um, so that was, that was amazing. Right, right. So that was one of the 12. And we're seeing similar dynamics in all of the different uh, 12 locations. I think we had maybe three on the West Coast and the other nine on the East Coast. I may be misremembering that. Um, so I'm going to focus on something that was starting to grow in my heart through these times. I was excited about the expansion. Um, but what was starting to grow in my heart was just this level of dissatisfaction with the citywide events. Mm. Um, and it's basically, if I could put it in a really briefly, um, it was because we were, when we did it in a retreat, we saw such a greater depth of the impact of the Holy Spirit. Retreat is another way of saying same site for all 10 days. Right, right, right. Where people are set apart. They're just doing prayer. They're not doing normal life. And in the citywide context, we're seeing a lot of people come to maybe one night, maybe two nights, 
not get that immersive experience. Sure. So they walk away with the um, basically coming away like they've had a good prayer meeting. But maybe that's all. And, mm-hmm. and 10 days is meant to be more of that immersive, transformative experience. Yep. Deep dive, deep humility. Right. Repentance, fasting. So this cry is starting to come into prayer. my heart of, uh, Lord, you know, how do we bring those two together? How do we bring those two things together? And that was yeah. the cry of my heart. You know, we're seeing amazing things happen. We're seeing you move in all these different ways. But I know I've seen you do more. Would you do more mm. um, in the years to come? And would you even show us how? I'm just like, I don't know how to do that. So anyway. What, what comes to my mind in answering that prayer is what we had later in Connecticut, which was the hub and spoke model of not only having the multi-site across the 10 days across geographies, but then encouraging each city to also go for the deeper dive. So you kind of got both going at once. I agree. We started to see answers to that. And that's, that's how God works, right? Even with, with your story, you know, first we, we see the need, we begin to cry out, we begin to ask the Lord. And then that's like the foreshadowing for